Hi, I'm Grisha, Compulsive Ever Eater. And um, thanks for asking me to share. And um, I love the frame of gratitude. And it's perfect timing for me because right now in my life, I think I am quite possibly the most grateful I've ever been. And um, I'm so happy to report that. And um, I'd say that one of the things, well, first, there was something that one of the speakers before said that that resonated with me, and then um, which was, you got to know where you don't want to be in order to find out where you do want to be. I really love that. And that. Um, and then I like to search um, OA for Today and Voices of Recovery and other 12-step books. I just go to, in my Kindle and I search for the word, keyword. You know, so I did keyword gratitude. I did grat. So it caught gratitude, <laughs> grateful, and, you know, whatever. And um, one of them said, I'm grateful that was all it took to wake me up. Mm. And it's a little out of context, but I am grateful that that is all it took. Like, I had so many um, wake-ups in my life and, um, and just, you know, up until recently. And um, so uh, let's see, how do I frame this? I, um, well, first of all, I've been in program, I've been in 12-step recovery of one sort or another. I just celebrated 30 years. And then in OA, thank you, I would, in OA, I've been in OA and abstinent for 21 years, and I'm coming up on 22 years, God willing. And so I'd say that really, if I had to boil it down, and I'm not trying to be like sing-songy, you know, uh, what's the word? I don't know, cliche, but really 12-step recovery is one of the things I'm most grateful for in my life because it really has given me a way of living and the tools that I need to to repair or enhance or do whatever I need to do in my life with in every area of my life. So um, I kind of grew up in the 12 steps. I got sober in AA at 22 and, um, and then eight years later found OA and then another eight years later or so found Al-Anon. So I'm very much a 12 step life person and I'm really grateful for that. Truly grateful for it because like I said, every, every time I hit a wall, every time I hit a bottom, every time, that's, and you know, every time I wake up, I have the 12 steps to carry me through. And, um, and so just, um, I think back, I love sharing because it makes me think back to what it was like. And I just remember, you know, this picture, this image of myself, like just, you know, starting as a teenager, being a fat teenager in school and just hating school and hating myself and hating everyone, hating my mother and just being so miserable and like, God, get me out of gym class, you know, like I need, doc- I need a- writing fake notes from my doctor and fake notes from my parents to skip school and just like, just miserable. And food was my main comfort. Then drugs and alcohol at 13 became another comfort. And then just going through being a young adult and um, even into sobriety, like chain smoking three packs of cigarettes a day, drinking and doing drugs every day, um, being o- morbidly obese every day, um, just like watching porn and being depressed and like in a base, I lived in Washington DC in these basement apartments where there was like a little window of sunlight up there and um, that looked into a window well and just being really just depressed and miserable, filled with anger, resentment, fear, just awful, you know, like an awful feeling of life. And, um, and slowly the 12 steps helped me kind of work out of it. And, um, you know, one of the first things I had to do was get sober, which worked, 12 steps worked for that, where other things hadn't. Um, and then uh, there was, there, I was working on a lot of, working the steps a lot and finding, uh, finding hope in the steps and finding strength in the steps. And 
I'm, all, I'm really grateful that I have willingness to do things. I'm really grateful for my willingness. I was born with a little bit, you know, and I got more and more the longer I stayed in recovery. And so I was willing to really work on all the places I was miserable, you know, and I did, I got outside help, I had a sponsor, I worked the steps, I did all this, I did service, you know, things were getting better and better and better. Eventually, um, I decided to face a really giant fear of mine, which was to leave my giant family back on the East Coast and move to San Francisco. It was a lifelong dream of mine, and I did it. And then coming out here, I had to face, you know, that's where I um, hit bottom around food and obesity. And, um, and, you know, I thought that moving to San Francisco was going to be, like, the answer because the weather was nice and people were healthy and, you know, like, that was going to fix my obesity. And, um, and it did, and it got worse. But then uh, I was 12-stepped into OA recovery by someone in another program, and I found the hope of OA. And once again, like, I knew what you had to do in the 12 steps. You had to get a sponsor. You had to start working the steps. You had to go to meetings. You had to do the work. And for some reason, I'm really grateful I had the willingness to do the work. And, um, and I think for me, like, a, there's a – it's like the one, two, three thing. Like, okay, I admit I'm powerless over this particular area of my life. So, you know, first it was drugs and alcohol. It was cigarettes. It was porn. It was um, – you know, it was like where I lived. It was all these things, and I would just slowly work my way out of it through willingness and step work and taking the next right action. And I'm not a spiritual person. I'm not someone who finds comfort in God. Um, so for me, it was um, step two is I always think it, it like it came in retrospect. It's What's really important for me is one and three because step one, I admit I'm powerless, and then step three, I take some kind of action. I'm willing to take some kind of action. So, you know, in, in OA, the action was get abstinent and, like, get a food plan and get a sponsor and go to meetings and do all the action it took. And then I did that. And and then, like, I was, you know, I've had these – I have a million stories of how I stayed abstinent through, you know – the piece of cake in my cube on the first first three days of abstinence, my mother getting sick and dying, my in and out of relationships, in and out of jobs, you know, crazy car accidents, like all these things that have happened and I've maintained my abstinence. So then I, it's like once I get through it, I'm like, oh yeah, of course I believe it's going to be okay because it was just now okay a minute ago. But when things are happening, when I'm really face, hitting the wall, when I'm getting to a bottom in some area, I don't automatically think, um, you know, I don't start praying and think I'm going to be restored to sanity. It's step three that gets me taking some kind of action, having willingness to do something, just take the next right action and let go of what happens. And, uh, and that's been my, that's been what's really helped. And so my first, the step three of like getting abstinent, um, I'm so grateful that I was willing to, you know, I first, I just put down sugar and I kept, and I kept staying abstinent one meal at a time for a year and then I got more willingness and more honest about um, my food and my um, body size and my abstinence, and I gave up flour and grains, and then I lost another 100 pounds. Um, so it was like I'm grateful for that willingness, and I'm grateful for – I'm also grateful for whatever keeps me abstinent and sober. I don't know what it is because I certainly know a lot of people who relapse. I have sponsees. I have – Sponsors. I have longtime friends who, like, I, the people I never thought, people who were longtime abstinent before I ever showed up, are sober. And then they relapse. And I'm like, holy shit. And I'm like, I don't know why I got the gift and keep it. But, um, 
I'm grateful. I'm really grateful for that. And I know that part of it is the work I do and the willingness to do the work. Um, but it's also there's it's the power greater than myself, which I can't even identify. Um, I've tried different names for it. Um, right now, I've, I'm sort of settled on Gus, which stands for Great Universal Spirit. Um, I heard that at a meeting, and I like Gus because Gus sounds like a teddy bear. I can have I can have Gus as my higher power. And um, so I guess um, so you know the obvious the big ones were like drugs and alcohol, cigarettes, food. Those were like the giant the giant ones, you know. And it took a lot of willingness and a lot of work to get sober and abstinent and um and free from those obsessions and i'm really grateful to be free from them like i'm really comfortably abstinent i don't struggle you know there are days when foods look sexy and interesting and i just it just instantly i play it out i'm like well yeah but if i ate one of those you know i'd be back to 30 years ago like instantly i just know and i've seen it happen with friend with dear close friends and family um and I know how bad it can get. I have the, um, I'm grateful for my family. I'm from a giant family. I'm one of six kids. There are tons and tons of grandkids and great-grandkids and great-great-grandkids and cousins. And, and so I have the placebo, you know, because it's my family. It's the people with the same genes. There are three of us who got sober and three who didn't. There, um, you know, there's like, I see the disease progressing in my own family in various ways. And it's very subtle, uh, for some, and and it's taking a long time, but it's slowly, it's getting a little bit worse for them. It seems to me from the outside, and um, and I and whereas my life is slowly getting better and better, and so it's like the stock market for me. Like I go through these peaks and valleys, but over over thirty years, it's really been like an upward tick all the way, and um, and so uh, I got through the big stuff, and then um, you know just. The other big thing, I guess, was uh, friendships, relationships, you know, relationships overall. Like, I really made, I made amends to my mom in OA. Um, I was 40, I was 30 when I came into OA, and I was 40 when I had an awake, a wake up around my mom, and I was, like, sitting in a cafe, or in a laundromat, little, little Hollywood laundromat, doing my laundry, writing in a journal, doing step work, and I was like, wow, I'm 40. When my mom was 40, she had just had me, and she was working full time. And she had an alcoholic husband. And she had five other children. One was a Playboy bunny. One was pregnant in high school. One was at Woodstock. And, like, I was like, holy shit. Oh, my God, Mom, I get it. You know, like, I just, I got it. And it was a really, it was one of the most important amends in my life because I started, I opened my heart and my life to her. I started writing her every day. And we talked on the phone a lot more. And we really became very close um, for the last years of her life. And, um... So that was really important to get that. That was just, and, you know, my sponsor early on helped me identify these two character defects that I didn't even know how to define. I didn't know what I had them. I didn't know what you called them, but they were definitely my most prevalent character defaults or defenses or whatever. And that was self-righteous indignation and unrealistic expectations. So I had the most unrealistic expectations for my mother that anyone could have for their mother. And I was so self-righteous that I was right and everyone was wrong, that I had all these, like, seething resentments against people in my life. And the only tool I had was silent scorn. If you piss me off too badly, then I just cut you off, and that's it. And then I suffer even though I think I'm winning somehow, you know. <laughs> so all that stuff had to be churned up and spit out through the, you know, the, ninth, the eighth, ninth, and tenth steps. 
And I have what I call the Safeway test, which is like, is there anyone who I will, you know, run from if I see them in Safeway, you know, like our change aisles or want to eat over. And really, everyone passes a Safeway test right now. I'm so free of, I'm so free, I'm so gratefully free of resentment and anger and just, it's like a big exhale after all these years, you know. And, um, And then when I came into program, into OA, I had been obese all my life. I had had, you know, a handful of, sexual experiences i had had no long-term relationships and i had a sponsor who was like well it's time to start working the steps around that and um and so i did i started facing my fears i had willingness to start dating putting you know it was early days of internet dating and putting ads up and um and I, you know, I always jokingly say I dated 90 men in 90 days. And it was not, it was not too far from the truth. I, did, I didn't keep count, but I, I know I was close to that. And, um, and then, you know, over time, just like being so afraid and so ashamed of my body and so, and like just uh, angry and angry at myself for, uh, for, you know, quote, ruining my body, like stretch marks and saggy skin and all this stuff from being obese all my life um, or my, up till then. But, you know, I did, I just did it. I faced it. I was willing to take the steps to do that. And eventually I did find, meet and find this partner who I had for seven years, who was, he is an amazing, amazing person. He's like one of the most beautiful people in the world. You know, just like, there, uh, you know, people, people know him from program because we were together seven years. I lived with him for seven years. And, um, and so I really had to, you know, I was really grateful for that experience. And then I also, the relationship had it was time for it to end and that was something that i had never done in my life and so i had to use the program for that and it really i had to really do step work and work with my sponsor and writing and use all the tools to get through to make that decision it was another third step decision it was one it was like i'm admitting like okay something's up here i'm not this is not sustainable like and that was a devastating that was a devastating realization for me after my whole life wanting a relationship and finally getting one. And then now suddenly having after seven years, this realization like this isn't sustainable for me. And then to have to work the steps around uh, making this, the third step was to start talking about it, writing about it, seeing a therapist about it. And then eventually it ended. And then, you know, moving out of that rent control apartment, I went in to that relationship as a working in finance and making a lot of money and I owned a building in Hayes Valley and had tenants and all this stuff. And I came out of that relationship seven years later. I was a school teacher with no property and, you know, trying to find a place to live on rent, in rent control. <laughs> I mean, a place to live in market rate in San Francisco. And I was terrified, but I just did, you know, it was more, more one, two, three, one, two, three, one, two, three, one, two, three. Just make a, take, make a decision. What are you going to do about it? Take a step. Do it, you know. Um, I did it around career. I hated my jobs for my whole life. Um, I made a decision to just explore other career options. I did it. It was a long, long, long process of like starting with a class at City College to help me make a decision, personality tests, and then one step at a time became a, a teacher. And then, um, and then uh, you know, physically, like I remember being that fat kid in in high school who you know cheat made fake notes from the doctor so I didn't have to go to PE. Eventually, I started um, 
running and I became an avid runner and I ran four marathon full four full marathons and a bunch of half marathons and like I became a fitness person like oh my god it freaked me out I was like a, I was like a physically fit athlete and the my doctor would say you have an athlete's heart you know because my pulse and my you know everything was just top notch you know <clears throat> and then I had injuries to where I had to stop running and I had to change my food plan back to less food. I had to, you know, let go of that passion. So all these things just keep happening, you know, but it keeps getting better and better. And then, um, and then the most recent thing, uh, I mean, I really didn't realize uh, what a giant – I mean, I, we all know, like, work is a big part. If, you're, if you work full time, if you, if you know what I mean, your work is a big part of your life. So when you're not – super happy at work or when you're perhaps miserable at work <laughs> it's a big chunk of your day uh, devoted to misery and um, so I had a job that was very rewarding like spiritually rewarding sort of and like I felt like it was social work and I felt like it was important and it was meaningful and I really I always said like I love my job in retrospect but not not while it's happening <laughs> and um, but I had to eventually I it, t- it was a, a couple of the, about a three-year process where I was like, okay, I'm admitting this is not working. Then it was like, well, what are you going to do about it? And I took a few different steps. And one, you know, they were both, the first steps I took were stay in the job and try this, which was um, really getting into mindfulness, the 11th step, mindfulness and meditation. And like, can I maintain my sanity and self-care and, and stay in this job and, beco- and continue to help this underserved population? And I did it, and then I did this one other step. It was like, okay, one more. I'm going to do one more year and this thing. And, then I, and it was like it, was, it became so clear, like, this isn't going to work. Like, I can't do it. Um, and I had to admit defeat. It felt like defeat, you know, like, okay, I'm just – I want to be this – I want to be Gandhi in this job. I really do. I want to be Mother Teresa and, and Gandhi joined together in this job. But I'm not. I'm not even close. Um, so – I had to make a change. And then it was like once I made the decision and I took the action, which was like, you know, just open my old resume and change the dates, um, change the address because I moved. And um, and then to like start telling people I think I want to change and then like start asking for interviews. And, um, and so it was bizarre because like it was really looking hopeless. And then in a week it was all different. It just all happened, and I just quickly, like, I got a new job. And um, and there's a whole long story around that. But um, now in my job, I'm joyful every day. I can't even believe it. It's like I didn't know what I didn't know. You know, I didn't know what I could have. I also still feel incredibly guilty and angry. I'm really seething with anger about what's happening at the other school where I left because it's so inequitable. It's so unfair. Our society is so effed up. I mean, it really is bad. It's really, really bad. Helicopters need to be landing, you know. Like, this is like the National Guard needs to be called out. But at the same time, I am so filled with joy every day I go to school. Like, I am so – my kids are so joyful and so loving. The parents are raving. The kids are raving. I'm raving. We're all just – we're all just so happy. And – and it's a miracle. So that's why I think right now, like, I'm the most grateful I've ever been. Like, I have financially I'm fine. Physically I'm fine. Um, I won the mayor's office of housing lottery, which I entered 23 lotteries, so I did the work. 
I bought a condo at below market rate, at below market rate through the mayor's office. So I have secure housing. I'm financially secure. And now I have a job that is super joyful. And, and I also, I'm not in a relationship, but I don't crave one. I actually, I need to get laid once in a while, <laughs> which is becoming an issue as I get older. But, um, but I'm not, I don't need a relationship. I don't even need one. I, don't even, I feel no craving for it. I feel free, free, free. And it's all because of the 12 steps. Every single bit of it. I know it is. And like I said, I don't want to be cliche. Like it really is. Because if I hadn't had them, I'd still be sitting in that basement apartment, chain smoking, drinking, miserable, obese, fat, you know, just dying. So um, thank you, 12 Steps. Thank you, all of you. Thank you for putting on the OA Marathon. Thanks for letting me share. Yay.